All right, good morning, good morning. Didn't the worship team do a great job? Can we give them a hand, just thank them? I, uh, many of you know I was, a, I was actually a music major in college. I got a music ed degree, so I um, appreciate all the time and um, skill and practice that goes into everything those, the, the team does. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, uh, but good morning again, so good to be with you. Um, I've got a couple disclaimers as I start this morning. Okay, you ready? You can maybe hear it in my voice, but I was blessed this past week with a uh, Thanksgiving cold. Okay, so um, be patient with me. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So you can just start by showing me patience. Uh, um, but um, any, anyways, I, I appreciate that this morning. Um, again, I hope you all had a great week with families this past week. We, we had a fantastic time, our family, um, at Thanksgiving. And we, um, we do the whole day after Thanksgiving. It's like full-on Christmas, right? Any, any of you all do that too? I mean, everything comes out of the boxes. I'm, I feel like I'm just throwing tubs up the stairs for like five hours on the day after Thanksgiving. But So we go cut down our own tree, and we, we do all that. We have a blast. Um, we have two international students in our home from Vietnam. And um, one, this was her first... Um, year um, here in America, so all this is brand new to her, right? So she's she's looking at us as we hop on this tractor at the farm at the Christmas tree farm. She's like, "What are these people doing?" You know, we're traipsing through mud to go cut down this tree. This guy jumps off a four wheeler and hacks this tree down with the chainsaw. I'm, I'm looking at her. She's going, "This is weird." But um, we had a, we had a great time, um, and um, my, my kids have been begging me for the last few years to get some of those, um, Christmas inflatables for the yard, you know, and it's been a source of some disagreement in our household, but, um, this year they talked me into it. And so this year I, we put up an eight, I've got a picture for you, eight foot Grinch inflatable in our front yard. Maybe, is it going to work? I had a, a weird file type, but we'll, We'll keep, if, if that pops up there in the middle of my sermon, and I just, there it is, there it is. So that's my 15-year-old son in his um, Christmas um, Grinch onesie, okay? Uh, apparently that's a thing now. You can't tell, he also has Grinch socks and a Grinch mug in his hand. But anyways, so that gives you a little glimpse into the weirdness around the Snavely household. But uh, we had a great time, um, we had a great time, hope you all did as well. Um, so we've been in this series, of course, um, called When My Faith is Tested, um, and as we've taken this long look through the book of James. And can I, can I just tell you, I love, love the book of James. I love the, the practical faith that it shows you and I, right? It, it's no longer just, just uh, words on a page. It's like giving, uh, this, this is how you live out what we, right? the, the, the Word of God as a, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. Um, it's real life, right? The, the, the subjects we've discussed like humility, um, controlling my tongue, walking with a genuine faith, th- th- those are just as relevant today, right, as when the authors pin them um, in, in the Bible. The message of the gospel is eternally relevant. Amen? Jesus told us in Matthew twenty four thirty five, so the heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The truths from the word of God will always be relevant. And this morning is no different. We're discussing everyone's favorite subject of patience. So my wife's not here. She, um, she comes to second service. But if she were here, she'd be running up here on stage and telling everybody why I should not be giving this message this morning. I think this was some joke from Pastor again. Of the, hey, I'll give this one to Brandon. No. Um, 
Listen, so I'm preaching to myself this morning, okay? I, I, my kids, they'll, they'll tell you, uh, as a pastor, uh, as, we, as we preach the whole um, wisdom of the Word of God, right, we're going to come across these subjects that are personal struggles sometimes. Um, so I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. I can lose my patience, right? Anybody else? Or is it just me? Anybody? Okay. Um, I, actually, last week after church, I was talking with a member and, and asking for some prayer. And at the end, she goes, Pastor Brandon, will, will you just pray for me for some patience? And I kind of chuckle a little bit. I go, sure, but then you have to pray for me too because we're, we're dealing with this together. Um, uh, one, one more quick story and then we'll get on with it. I, I think there must be a thing with um, pastors losing their patience when they drive because pastors talk some about that. And I always sit back and go, yeah, the pastor and I really share that in common. Um, my, um, and it's something about 104. It's, just, it's something about 104 too, right? That like people maybe, I think when they get on 104, they think, okay, you know what? I don't have to get over to the right lane anymore if I'm driving slow. That's what must happen when you get on to 104. And I'm also going to apologize in advance if I ever honk at you. <laughs> Can you just can you just forgive me in advance if, if you get honked at and then see that it's me? Oh yeah yeah. People that lose their patience when they're driving should not have car horns, right? That's a bad idea for people that lose their patience when they're driving. It's also why we don't have living word decals on cars because we wouldn't be good advertisements for the church, right? Anyway, anyways, anyways. So if you got your Bibles with you this morning or your Bible app, um, grab those. We're going to get into the Word together. I'm going to encourage you to, to bring your Bibles with you. There, It's always on the screens also, but I'd love to get into the Word together. We're going to be in James chapter 5, looking at verses 7 through 11, and we'll hop around to some other scripture as well. So this is James 5, 7 through 11. Let's, let's hop into this. James writes there, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophet's who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Amen. Church, waiting is hard, right? Waiting is hard. Um, think, think with me real quick. What's something that you've had to be extremely patient for, um, um, for you know, in, in your life recently or in the past, what's something that you've had to wait a really long time for? I, I don't mean a few hours or even a day. Think of something that's been, that's been weeks, months, years of waiting, right? Some of you have had those situations. I, I was just curious to pick my kids' brains a little bit on the subject. So I asked each of our three kids, what is something that you've had to wait a really long time for that was hard to wait for, right? My 15-year-old son said that waiting on his um, sports team to win another sectional title has been hard to wait for. Funny enough, maybe he's already won one, but he, he wants the next one, right? My 13-year-old daughter, um, Riley, said that waiting for a punishment to be over was hard. <laughs> okay, chill, Riley. Um, our youngest, Reagan, 10-year-old, said that um, waiting for a surprise to come, like when we've told her we have a surprise for her, 
and waiting for that surprise to come. That'll also give you a little glimpse into their personalities, I think. But um, what difficult lives my kids sleep, right? Um, but the difference there is I heard their responses. The difference between their responses got me thinking a little bit um, this morning. Um, our oldest and our youngest, they were both waiting for something good to come that was hopefully to come, right? While my middle one was waiting on something painful to be over. And, uh, and those are really the two types of things that you and I have to have patience for, aren't it? Isn't it? Um, all of us experience both of those scenarios in life. We, we go through painful heartache that we so badly want to be over. And, and other times we have the promise of good things that we impatiently yearn for. Some of you this past year have faced the most challenging situations. Pastor and I have walked um, through you, um, with you through a lot of them. Um, these can be long, drawn-out periods of, of, of losing a family member to a painful disease that can go on. Um, some of you also received a horrible diagnosis this past year. Our, our patience in the, the most difficult of situations can be tested to the max. Believe it or not, James writes wisdom for us here. And the beginning of this, this section that we just read begins by addressing um, this patience of waiting for the bad to be, to be gone, to be past, right? If you look back at verse 7, there, chapter 5, it starts with, with an if-then statement. Do you remember that from English class? An if-then statement. It ref- Actually, verse 7 refers back to the scripture before it, all right? Um, so context is important, so let's check it out. Verse 7 starts with, be patient then, because in verses 1 through 6, we read about um, wicked, wealthy people who are beginning to take advantage of workers, of, of their workers, of their employees. They're not paying them fair wages. They're treating them unfairly. Even going so far, we read in verse 6, to see how some <coughs> some were condemning and murdering innocent people. All right, So you can see how James um, then gives this advice in, to readers in verse 7, assuming that some of his readers were these people that were taken advantage of. He says, so, so then be patient until the Lord's coming. But, but this leaves us with a little bit of tension as we're reading this here, because we're thinking, wait, Pastor Brandon, um, being patient, waiting for, for justice of an innocent person being murdered is far different than, than having no patience with bad drivers on 104, <laughs> right? That's, that's, that's two different things we're talking about. And this is where, when we look into the deeper meaning, again, here of the Greek, um, it can get, so we can find some really, really good, deep stuff um, a, a part of our faith, and I absolutely love this. Pastor Barnum mentioned a couple weeks ago um, when he talked about the word good in a verse. Do you remember that? And how the background of that can be beautiful. Um, uh, we're looking this morning at the word um, for patience and how we can find some deeper meaning in the Greek. So let's hop into that a little bit. I want you to take you first to um, uh, verse 10 of James 5. It says, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering. The Greek word here church used was macrothemius. Macrothemius. This, it's translated elsewhere. Um, this same word in Romans 2.4, it's translated elsewhere to mean long-suffering or perseverance. Macrothemius, a long-suffering or perseverant faith. This brings us to our first point this morning. Continuing on in verse 11, James shows us and makes the case 
that we can look to examples of the faith for how we wait with patient perseverance. Our first point this morning. And, and he does that and gives um, Job as an example uh, of someone that has, has shown that type of patience. Now, here's, here's where things get interesting, okay? Keep up, keep up with me here. Um, I'm reading through a commentary in my, in my study Bible, and it says, it says, actually, Job was not a great example of patience. And I'm like, wait, what? What are you? Okay, so I'm reading, I'm reading into it. I'm reading into it. And, and, and it says, and track with me here. Um, let, it's not, he's not a great example of patience as we understand it in the English. Okay, so let's, let's look more into this macrothemius type of, of patience. Um, Oxford Dictionary defines patience this way. It says, patience um, is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Okay, if that's our base for our definition of patience, um, we look to, to Job. We see that in Job chapter 3, Job is literally cursing the day he was born <laughs> because of all the pain and all the turmoil he's, he's gone through, right? Not maybe what we would think of as an example of patience, right? But yet, church, he perseveres, right? He perseveres. So Job is a model of this long-suffering, macrothemius patience that sustains through the darkness regardless of the outcome. Amen? That's where Job is the example for you and I. This macrothemius patience is what gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the confidence to say that even if God doesn't deliver us from the fiery furnace, that we would still not bow to the golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar. This type of patience... My apologies. This type of patience endures difficult circumstances... It's patient in suffering, understanding that God is full of compassion and mercy, just as Job would experience at the end of his trial. Like Job, we, we get impatient when we don't see things um, um, in, in our timing, don't we? We can, get, we can get so impatient. If Job had known if Job had known what the end might look like, it would have been maybe a little easier to endure, maybe, right? He still lost what he lost, um, but he did not see the end, right? It's just, it's just like us. We don't see things in God's timing. And so in Second in Peter, we can, we can see um, why this is the case. Second Peter 3, 8 and 9 says that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a promise, I'm sorry, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. And I love this last part. No, he is being patient for your sake. He is being macrothemai, same word there, patient for your sake. Church, there's a bigger purpose for when you and I have to wait on God. Does God then allow us, allow you and I to wait to, to help bring about this patient perseverance in us, right? And that brings, brings us to um, my second point this morning. Um, James tells us in verse 11, we consider blessed those who have persevered. So we wait expectantly 
and are blessed. So, like the farmer who waits for the, the land to yield its valuable crop, trusting God to bring the autumn and spring rains, we can also patiently wait for what God has in store in his timing. And here's actually um, a different Greek word used here. I love this. Let's, let's jump into this. Let's see this. Verse 7, James writes, See how the farmer waits. Now the Greek word used here is different. Again, this, this word here is ekdeketai. I better say that one five times fast. Ekdeketai means to look with anticipation or wait expectantly. This is a, this is a, a patience uh, of waiting expectantly. The farmer knows that the, that the rains will come, right? It's just a matter of when they come exactly. But in the Middle East, farmers know to expect rains every year in the fall and again in the spring, right? So, so the farmer then waits expectantly, um, realizing God has provided in the past and trusting that he'll provide again. Amen? He's going he's gonna to provide again. And like, so like the farmer harvesting his crop, you and I then are blessed by the goodness of God as we wait expectantly. We can wait then with confidence, realizing what God has done, and trusting he will do that again. Um, but, but, so this con- there's this common admonition in Scripture to simply what? To simply wait on the Lord. We, we hear that often. What does that mean and how do we do that, though, is a different story. And I want to show us a, a, a position, a, a place here, actually, with King David, uh, with this perfect example of how you and I wait on the Lord. I'm going to pop this cough drop in. <laughs> this helps. So let's look at Psalm 2714. So Psalm 2714. Um, David gives us some insight here. Uh, and when he writes, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So, okay, that's, that's great, David. Uh, we, but, but how, right? When we're going through this season of, of trial, frustration, how? That's what we want to know, right? He provides this um, answer to how we do that. He says, by being confident of the goodness and the promises of the Lord. That is how we wait, by understanding this. If our ability then to wait expectantly on the Lord um, is because of our confidence in him, is it fair to say that our lack of patience with God, with life, could be rooted in our distrust of him? Do we trust God that he will do what he said he will do? But how has David learned this? How, how has he learned to wait expectantly? Um, God spoke to David a handful of times, um, but in 2 Samuel 7, we read this really interesting interaction um, where the prophet Nathan um, shares a word from the Lord directly with David. And it's this promise from God to sustain David's rule, not only through him, um, but through his descendants. There's some incredible foreshadowing, of course, here of the Messiah that was to come through David's line. And, and so let's read this together. Let's look at this. This is 2 Samuel 7, verses 8 through 14. 
Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I love, I love the humility in that. God is saying, look, David, you used to follow sheep around, right? You used to, you used to wrangle sheep and save them from predators and all that. I, I took you as a humble shepherd and made you king of Israel. Reading on there, I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning and have done ever since. Um, the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel, I will also give you rest from all your enemies. That's a that's a sobering um, um, promise for for everything going on right now in Israel, isn't it? What a great promise, though, for for people there to look. Um, let's continue to pray for everything happening there. I know this the last weekend they finally released some some hostages, so we praise God for that. Let's just continue to pray for the safety of the hostages there, and um, that, that God would just bring peace to that situation. Let's, let's, let's continue reading there. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you when your days are over and you rest with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. Exciting stuff there, right? God was telling David through the prophet Nathan that the throne would be continued um, through David's lineage. That that after he was dead and gone, and as it says in the scripture, with his fathers, his throne would continue and would be established forever. That's the phrase used. The blessings then that would come to if David could persevere as, as his enemies tracked him down, as surrounding um, um, nations attacked, if David could um, pers- um, persevere through that with patience, he would be blessed. So then David is writing in, in Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen, with the assurance from the of the promises from God from Second Samuel. And he, let's read that again, Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen. I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Church, you and I can wait for the Lord. We can be strong. We can take heart. We can wait for the Lord, trusting in his goodness. It's in that same assurance of God's character that, uh, and promises that you and I can wait. We can trust he's good. He's going to provide whatever your situation as we're frustrated with, with our spouses, as we, as we lose our patience with our kids, with our family, and situations happening there. <coughs> so sorry. As we lose patience with our job, maybe the situation's not the best. We can trust that God's good and that we can wait for him. Amen? Every situation where you and I can lose our patience, we can trust that God is in control and that he is good. And then that allows us to wait without getting frustrated, without living this constant bitterness or or resentment. You've heard the phrase, 
all good things take time, right? All good things take time. That, isn't it interesting that the younger we are, um, the harder this concept seems? If you ask kids, and um, you know, like, like my kids' responses about waiting on things, they'll tell you, it's so hard to wait, I can't wait, I want to be there, right? All the milestones of life, right, as a kid, you can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get my driver's license, right? I can't wait to uh, get my own job and start making my own money. I can't wait to be at college. I can't wait to be in a relationship, to get married, to have kids, whatever. And those things change a little bit. But, but I, I was so excited for every one of those milestones. I couldn't wait for it to, to get there. Isn't it interesting then as we get older um, and our perspective changes, those things switch, right? And we start wishing and hoping that things would slow down, right? As eternity gets closer, our perspective changes, doesn't it? As, as we get older forever just doesn't seem so far away but here's our hope as far as the followers of christ we have a hope beyond our current situation amen jesus gives us that hope beyond our current world i'm gonna invite the worship team up to to help us close um but my my last point as we as we wrap up this morning is this uh we wait with hopeful patience for the greatest promise that we have, for the greatest promise of all. We wait for the promise of heaven. Amen. In the book of Titus, Paul admonishes the church that God's grace teaches us to live, he writes there, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives while we wait for the blessed hope. And that blessed hope, if you've never heard that phrase before, that blessed hope um, refers to the, he, he writes, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, our blessed hope is what we hope in. I don't know um, what your life situation may be right now, what, what things you might be facing um, with your kids, with your spouse, with family, with finances, with your job. I don't know what those may be. But, but as, as again, as, as followers of Christ, as believers, we have, we do not have to lose hope. James mentions um, at, the, uh, at the end of, I'm sorry, beginning of verse 7, and it's the, our best reminder there, regardless of how difficult things may get, we have the hope of Christ and the eternity in his presence. Um, as, as long as I live, I will never forget um, um, one of my youth students one year at convention um, and her reaction to her and her family had not, um, she had not grown up in church. She had come to convention and had never heard this concept that Jesus would be coming again someday. Had never heard that. So the speaker was talking about our blessed hope that we have as followers of Christ. And I could all of us, and as the speaker mentions Jesus returning one day, I watch this all unfold, and it's a blessing in my life because I, it had such an impact on me as a, as a pastor, as a leader. She turns to her friend with this big look of shock on her face and joy and says, What? Jesus is coming again? She had no clue, and it broke me that day. I hope that when you and I are going through life's worst, that we remember that joy. Wait. Jesus is coming again. I can endure, I can endure what I'm going through 
because I have hope. I don't have to give up. There's, there's life, there's purpose for you and I. There is always, always hope. You say, but Pastor Brandon, you don't understand. I'm, wait, there's hope. There's hope. In his book, The Case for Heaven, one of my favorite books, and the best one I've read on the subject of heaven, Lee Strobel writes, yes, heaven means hope. Not a vapid kind of wishful thinking or a cross-your-finger sort of blind optimism, but a confident hope. You and I, church, wait with a hopeful patience because of the promises of Christ to return one day for you and I, to take us to a place with no more pain, no more sadness, no more depression or mental health issues, no more wars or oppressive governments, uh, no more adultery, no more abortion, no more poverty. Knowing what we have to look forward to, church, we wait with a patient perseverance. We can wait expectantly, and we can wait with a hopeful patience. And all of that, we can never forget that Christ, of course, has been abundantly patient with you and I, right? And all of our, all of the ways that we've screwed it up, and all the ways that we've messed up, God has has shown us an overwhelming amount of patience that you and I didn't get. The, 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 what we deserve, right? In God's grace, he gave us his son and said, I give you everything. Amen. Can you pray with me? And then the, the church, uh, the worship team is going to help us um, close and give my voice a break. <laughs> and then uh, let's, we're going to stand and worship here um, as, as we close. Let's, let's pray together. God, we thank you for your patience with us and all of our own failures and all the ways we've hurt others, Lord, show us um, how, how we can show patience to others because you first showed us patience. God, convict our hearts of ways that, uh, in ways that we can go and reconcile with, with people that we've hurt, we've, um, the, the relationships that we've damaged, Lord. And, and God, help us to continue to show that patience to others when they need it. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the counsel of scripture in our lives. Um, we just give it all to you this morning. We thank you for who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us as we close and worship here this morning?